0: Good morning. morning. It is my honor to add my welcome to you this morning. My name is Kurt. I'm also one of the pastors here, and I'm excited to be together with you this morning on this bright, crisp, clear winter morning. How many of you here this morning would love a little renewal in your life? Anyone? Anyone? Okay, I'm not alone. We recognize that as Christians, renewal is one of the promises that God gives us because Jesus gave his life for us, but but did not only die on the cross and stay dead in the grave, but because he rose again on the third day and is sitting in heaven at the right hand of the Father as an advocate, as a counselor, as somebody who is pleading our case to the Father day and night, we have the hope of renewal in our lives, amen? As Christians, we know that the promise of God is that in Christ, we are already made new. 2 Corinthians five seventeen tells us, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. And you see, it's this reality, it's this truth that we believe in, that allows us to have hope to continue to lean into the, God, the future that God has for us, to pursue that renewal in our lives, no matter whether we feel like the new has come in our lives today or not. And I know a lot of us this morning might not be feeling all that new, <laughs> but the hope is that we can turn our eyes to heaven. We can look to the cross of Christ and be reminded that God's invitation is that when we turn to him, his spirit and his power can renew us over and over again. You see, we realize that this process of renewal is the transformation of our lives. It's a lifelong journey of discipleship to Jesus where we are being made more and more like him. In one sense, you could say that we are being renewed day after day, month after month, year after year. And yet also, as we began this series last week, we've talked about how in another sense there are seasons in life where we recognize that we find ourselves in need again of a time of renewal in our lives and in our spirit. Often at this time of year, the the new year, the beginning of the new calendar, many people are thinking about renewing commitments to positive and proactive changes in their lives. I I told you last week that I started a new eating plan for myself, and I'm sticking with it so far. I'm like two weeks in. Yes, thank you. My wife is happy about that. (laughs) Uh, Two weeks is great, but two weeks, a pattern does not make, right? Right? We often know that change is difficult and we start with good intentions, but, but getting to the point of actually transforming our life to something new, to experience what we, we talked about last week as a, a true innovation, is that the innovation isn't just some new thing we try for a while and they give up on, it becomes the new way of doing things in our lives. It becomes the, the new normal. So in this series, we want to be exploring what it might look like for each of us in this season of life and also in this season of life as a church to renew our commitments to God and to one another, to experience genuine life transformation, the innovation of our hearts as we look to be transformed into the image of God that we have seen and has been revealed in Christ to once again experience the renewal of our souls. Would you pray with me one more time? Holy God, we do thank you that you are a generous and a loving God full of grace and truth. And no matter where we've been or what we've done, you continue to invite us again to experience the renewal of our spirits in your son, Jesus. As we look to your word and we listen for the wind of your spirit in this place this morning, we pray that you would speak your word of life to us. Give us the courage to to hear in new ways and to respond in in commitment and in strength, to, to trust that when we turn our lives over to you, you bring the best and the wisest and the most effective ways to experience the renewal of our lives. And we will thank you praise you through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Now, our our theme verse for this series we introduced last week uh, reminded us that Jesus understood the importance of innovation in our spiritual lives. We looked at Matthew 9, verses 16 to 17, where Jesus said, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. For the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. And if you were here last week, you remember that we talked about how old uh, wineskins, from being stretched thin, uh, you put the new wine into a new wineskin, and the wine expands over time, right? It begins to ferment, and it produces gases, and and it expands in the wineskin. And so the wineskin has to be flexible, and it has to stretch with the expanding wine. But over time, it gets stretched thin, and it becomes brittle, and it loses its elasticity, and so it's no longer able to stretch stretch anymore. So once you've used up the wine that you put in that skin, you would be unwise to put new wine into that old skin because it's already lost its elasticity. And so the new wine, as it begins to expand, will stretch the skin to bursting and it'll crack and the wine will leak out and it'll become completely useless. And see, Jesus is saying that we too can become stretched thin in our spirits. We can become brittle in our attitudes. We can become inflexible in our thinking. And we become unable to see and to receive the new thing that God might want to do in you and in me. You see, the key lesson Jesus is teaching is the importance to our spiritual formation and to our spiritual health to maintain the ability To change. Jesus is talking about the need to have an elastic. Faith, a, a stretch ability that allows us to flex and adapt to where God is leading us and to the things that he wants to do. And if we lose that, that stretchability, that elasticity in our spirits, we, we become unable to hold the new thing that God wants to do. In fact, uh, this morning we have a, a little gift to give each of you. Jeff, do we have some, uh, some rubber bands for everyone? We're going to pass out some rubber bands. Okay, ushers are going to come with rubber bands. Awesome. Let me grab one, and we'll pass these out. So take one down, pass it around. Oh, that's the wrong game. Sorry. (laughs) Oh, you got one? Awesome. Here you go. Pass those around. So we're all familiar with this handy-dandy little office tool, right? We call it the rubber band. What is the one feature of a rubber band that makes it a useful tool? You can shoot it, it, but what (laughs) makes you able to shoot it? It's elasticity, right? What do we use rubber bands for? We, We use them to hold things together. But if a rubber band lost its elasticity, what good would it be? None, right? It's because it's flexible and it's elastic that a rubber band is a useful tool. And just as rubber bands become more useful when they're stretched, we need to be remembered that God also wants to stretch us in our spiritual lives. He wants us to experience the growth that comes when we allow his spirit into our hearts and he expands the sphere of our lives and our imaginations and what we think we can do and what we want to accomplish for his kingdom. And yet we also have to recognize that when you stretch that rubber band, right? You got your rubber band, are you pulling on it, you're stretching on it? What do you feel when you pull that? When you stretch the rubber band, it creates what? Tension. Resistance. And when God wants to stretch us, we experience the tension of the change, and we resist God's flow because we want to go back to status quo. We want to go back to what's comfortable. We want to go back to what's easy, right? Change and growth in our lives, changes in our churches, changes in our culture, create tension in our lives, and we find ourselves being stretched. But see, in these times, I believe that God is wanting to to see that he's wanting to expand us to become more than we are today. He's moving us more and more to learn how to to grow into the likeness of his son, Jesus. Leadership guru, John Maxwell, uh, had a a, a little quote that he called the law of the rubber band. And, And his law of the rubber band says, growth stops when there is no tension. Growth stops when you lose the tension between who you are today and who you could become tomorrow. And according to Jesus, growth stops when we lose the flexibility of heart to see and receive the new thing that God wants to do in our lives when we lose the ability to stretch and to be flexible with God's spirit, to expand into God's vision for our lives and to adapt to the new things that God wants to do, we run the risk of missing the transforming work that God wants to do in our lives and through our relationships. In order to experience God's renewal in our lives and in our church in this season where we are experiencing renewal over and over again, Jesus is telling us that we need to start by allowing him to soften our hearts, to make us flexible and adaptable on the inside. In order to experience a, a real life together, which is our vision for Faith Covenant Church, we must allow Christ to continue to transform our lives into the vision for what the church was meant to be and to become that He has given us in His Word. Yet transformation brings change, and change is hard. Another word for transformation that we introduced last week is this word, innovation, which is very popular in the business world, right? We, we shared the mantra in the business world, innovate or die. Innovate or die. You always have to be transforming. You always have to be growing. You always have to be expanding to meet the needs of the marketplace, or you're going to get left behind. You're going to get left in the dust. Your business is going to become obsolete. Nobody's going to want your products anymore. Innovation refers to something new or to a change made to an existing product or an idea or some field of endeavor. Take, for example, the telephone. Who could have imagined the various innovations and transformations that would have happened over the years that are, occurred to that original invention called the telephone? Now, now there's a difference between improvements, right? In innovations. Think about the phone. There were many improvements to the phone. In my own lifetime, I saw a, 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 an improvement going from the dial-up, right, to the push button. That was nice, wasn't it? Being able to push those buttons rather than... I mean, that was a nice improvement. It wasn't a, an innovation. It wasn't something completely new, but it made it a lot easier to use. Now, how about the improvement of going from the corded phone to the wireless phone? Right? I mean, that, you could, like, walk around the house. You could go in the closet and talk to your girlfriend without the cord all the way out to the kitchen. Right? That was a nice improvement, but still not a true innovation, right? What was the first real innovation that we saw? Well, we got rid of those landlines and all of a sudden phones became cellular. Now you couldn't just walk around the living room. You could walk around the city. You could take it in your car. You could go everywhere, right? And then all of a sudden, the cellular phone became the smartphone. And now we have our lives in our pockets. A phone is no longer a phone like it used to be. True innovation takes something that was good and transforms it into something completely new and better, and yet it still maintains the original DNA of what it was. And yet, as we shared last week, there's one Christian missiologist that has suggested that most people, most companies, most churches fail to experience innovation, fail to experience the transformation of life over time because they fail to understand what goes into experiencing true innovation in our lives. So last week we introduced the three ingredients of innovation, right, which can also become three obstacles to to innovation that can prevent us from experiencing transformation in our church and in our lives. And we expressed it basically as a formula. I think we have that for you on the screen. Innovation equals imagination plus implementation plus integration. And if you think about those three things in each week starting today and the next two Sundays after this we're going to drill down to each one of those ingredients but true innovation requires all three in order to occur and a breakdown in any one of these ingredients can derail our ability to experience innovation in our lives Now the first challenge that many people and many churches face is a failure of imagination And a failure of imagination happens when we lose the ability to imagine a different possible future. We lose the ability to dream a new dream because somehow we think the way it's always been is the way it's always going to be, or the way it's always been is the way it needs to always be. And so we stop dreaming of a different possible future that God may have for you and for me. And when we lose the ability to imagine a different possible future, we lose the ability to respond to the changes in our lives in creative and adaptable ways. We become stretched thin, we become brittle, and we run the risk of breaking. This is a pattern that we see in the lives of God's people throughout Scripture. There's a recurring theme in in the Bible that invites us to see That God wants to continue to, to spark our imaginations, to get us to think differently, to open ourselves to new possibilities that maybe we couldn't have even imagined before, to dream new dreams, to imagine a different possible future. I want to take you to the words of Isaiah 43, verses 16 to 21. Where through the prophet Isaiah, God said to the people of Israel, this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and the horses, the army and the reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way through the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals will honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I have formed for myself. Why? That they may proclaim my praise. Now, if you know the story of the people of Israel, God called them out of all the peoples to become a unique people chosen for himself. Abraham uh, was, was adopted into God's family as the first person of faith, right? And he became, Abram became Abraham and his wife Sarai became Sarah. And they went through a transformation of life to this new identity in God. And God wanted them to, to dream big dreams, right? Your, your progeny will be as multiple as the sands in the sea, as, as numbered as the stars in the sky. And Abram said, what? I'm an old man. That ship has sailed. My day is done. What are you talking about? But God wanted to expand Abram's ability to imagine a different possible future, to know that with God, all things are possible. And when we put our faith and our trust in him, he can make the impossible possible. And then God's people ended up in slavery in Egypt for for 400 plus years, right? And God says, I have heard the cries of my people. It's not okay that they live this way, that they live in slavery, so I'm going to rescue them. And he sends them Moses, and he frees them from Egypt, and, and he parts the waters. And, and we hear the story of all the chariots and the army of Pharaoh who got drowned in the sea after the Israelites went through on dry land, and he gets them out of Egypt. And, and, and not too long afterwards, they go, thanks for nothing, God. This boring out here in the desert, this, what do you call it, stuff that you've given us to eat, manna, and that's what manna means is, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's not very tasty, and it's the same thing over, it's like being on a diet, i are eating the same thing. <laughs> if we went back to Egypt, at least there we had meat, right? And we start to look back. And we start to think that, that, that what we knew before is, is better than what God is leading us to because at least we're familiar with what that is. At least we can live within the, the, the pain of that because it's a known pain. Where you're leading us, God, is an unknown pain. It's scary. In fact, in fact we might even die out here. Let, let's just go back to what we know and what we're familiar with. Over and over again, the people of Israel are challenged by God to not look to the past, but to dream a new dream, to imagine a different possible future. God who rescued his people then is the same God who wants to rescue his people today when we allow God to begin to soften our hearts and to expand our minds and to open us to the new possibility that he wants to do in our life, he begins to give us new dreams to dream. I want to suggest this morning that there are three potential things that contribute to our failure of imagination. And the first thing that I think we struggle with uh, as people in, in in a Failing to imagine a different possible future is uh, we struggle with my past. Struggle with our past. Do we understand that our, our past life often dictates how we think about and imagine or fail to imagine our future? You see, past traumas, past painful experiences, past failures can can somehow get into our brain and into our thinking, and they form an identity in us that says, I'm always going to be the way I am, and I can't be any other way, and so why hope for a different future? I just have to live out the script that I've been given. Never going to be good enough. I'm never going to measure up. I'm never going to be considered successful. No one's ever going to want to pursue me. I I always want to pursue others, but nobody wants to pursue me. What is the story from your past that you keep telling yourself over and over again that might be preventing you from imagining a different possible future that God has for you? Because in the message of Jesus on the cross, he says it doesn't matter what happened in the past. Jesus says, don't look to the past. Look to the future. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what's happened to you. All that matters is the future that I have planned for you, and I'm willing to give it to you as a gift if you're willing to open yourself to the possibility that maybe a different future is in store for you. What in your past might God be willing to We might be asking you to be willing to let go of and to overcome and to change your story in Christ. The second thing that I think becomes an obstacle to our imaginations, if truth be told, and we're going to be honest with ourselves, right, is my comfort. My comfort. We like to be comfortable, right? And when tension starts to come, it gets a little uncomfortable, And and so our tendency is to move back to the point of the least resistance, which is what we're familiar with. And that's what we're comfortable with. And so it's really easy after two weeks of being on a wonderful eating plan (laughs) to just go back to what I'm familiar with. What's easy? Hey, just grab those chips. You're hungry. And the food is right there. But how often in many other ways do we continue to live the patterns of our lives that we've become familiar with because it's comfortable? And you see, you realize that that often what we are comfortable with is not necessarily a good place. It can be a a dissatisfied place. It can be an unhappy place. It can be a a place where we wish we didn't have to be, and we can dream of doing something different, and yet we choose to stay in that place over and over again. Why? Why? Because like I said with the people of Israel, the, the pain that we know seems to be more tolerable than the pain that might come if we willingly open ourselves to change. See, we've developed all these kind of defensive mechanisms to live with the pain that we already have, right? Right? We, we, can, we can deny them and we can uh, escape them and we can do all these things to kind of tolerate the dissatisfaction of our lives today that we live with. But when we allow ourselves to be satisfied with our dissatisfaction, we might miss the new thing that God wants to do. And so our our own comfort becomes a a, a tension in the the opportunity to respond to the new thing that God might be leading us to. Might we need to be willing to allow God to say, I'm going to make you a little uncomfortable here, and it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I need you to step out and do something that maybe you haven't done before, and it's going to be okay. And in the process, you're going to be stretched. It's going to be a little scary. You're going to feel some tension. But when you do, on the other side, I'm going to get you through, and you're going to find that you're expanding your spirit, and your spiritual life is growing, and you have a new ability to imagine a different possible future that I have. Are you willing to allow God to put you in some positions that might make you a little uncomfortable? I know that a lot of businesses uh, fall victim to this trap that churches do as well. We we fail to to imagine a different possible future. Why? Because we've always done it that way. Right? And it's the same thing we do as people. We we get into these ruts and these routines, and it's the way we've always done it. And so we fail to imagine differently. Uh, How many of you remember your first car? Yeah, right? Those first cars are so memorable. My first car was a 1974 Chevy Nova, right? Eight-cylinder, small block. I raised up the back end, tore all over town in that thing. The Nova was one of the most popular Chevy cars in in the 70s, right? And even today, it's a collector's item if you fix it up and and turn it into a hot rod. I wish I still had my Nova. I sold it for a lemon and I, anyway. (laughs) But you understand the very success of the Nova for Chevy made it a failure when they began to export it across the border? They thought, oh, this is such a popular car. There's a huge market down in Mexico. Let's export the Nova down to Mexico, and we'll just do it the same way we've been doing it. It's going to be successful, and it tanked in Mexico. What's wrong? Why don't the Mexicans like the Nova? Well, Chevy, do you understand that in Spanish, Nova means doesn't go? No va, no go, I'm going to buy that car. (laughs) When we fall victim to doing things the way we've always done them, because that's the way it's always been done, we might miss a new understanding that we need to be able to change in order to achieve a different possible result in our life. As a church, we might need to change some stuff to reach a culture that has changed around us. Not because we're going to sacrifice the truth of the gospel or God's word, but because the way that we do things might be speaking a different language that says, this faith doesn't go anywhere. I don't want to believe in Christianity. It's a, it's a Nova faith. It's a no-go faith. But maybe we need to to look at a different way to do church that demonstrates that that when you say yes to Jesus and you become a part of a community of faith, it actually does get you somewhere, not just into a, a church on a Sunday morning, but it transforms your life. It makes your marriage more successful. It makes your family more healthy. It makes your business prosper. It allows you to be financially sound and successful because you're following God's biblical principles for money in your life. There are so many ways that Christianity is intended to give us a whole, healthy, abundant life, Jesus said. But we miss those opportunities because the way we've always done church is the way we continue to do church. And we show up to church for an hour on Sunday morning and then we go our separate ways and we live our lives independently out there in the world and we miss what God might be wanting to do through us together as a faith community as we experience new relationships in Christ. The third and last one for today that can prevent us from experiencing a new imagination and dreaming new dreams is my control. Any self-confessed controlling people in the room? Right? We all like to be in control of our own lives. It's part of the American dream. Right? We're all independent. We're all king of our own lives. We don't have to submit to anyone. We're free. And so we don't want to give up control. We want to maintain control. We want to, we want to manage our lives. We want to dictate who we see and where we go and when we do what we do. And if anybody comes and says they have any demands or expectations on our lives, we resist. And we say, no, I'm in control. Fear of losing what we have leads us to cling to our present lives rather than risking for the future because if we give up control, if we say yes to something new that God wants us to do and we have to risk doing things in a different way, we're giving up control and that's scary because when you give up control, you never know what's going to happen. The challenge is we all understand that control is an illusion, right? We think we're in control, but even when we think we're in control, you still never know what's going to happen. During the 1970s, there was a dramatic shift in technology. Uh, in the eight, Going back to the 18th century, you know, Switzerland became the dominant creator and supplier of watches to the world. The Swiss were were amazing because they had a tradition of excelling in precise mechanics and and forming all those intricate pieces that you needed to have a wristwatch that could function and keep good time. And so they, they dominated the market for centuries. Uh, in fact, uh, the Swiss were the, even the ones to develop the first quartz digital watch, but they, they never developed it and took it to market because it wasn't uh, a high-end watch. It was considered, you know, less than. So along came a Japanese company named Seiko, and in 1969 took the digital watch mass market, and by 1970, they had taken over the market by selling $20 digital wristwatches. From 1970 to 1985, over 15 years, 1,000 Swiss watchmakers went out of business. They went from 90,000 employees to 30,000 employees because they failed to understand what the watch was really about. Right? The watch was not primarily about luxury and quality and beauty, almost like jewelry on your wrist. It was about keeping accurate time. And when you could provide a device that kept accurate time for you know, a fraction of the cost, that's where the whole market went. Now, of course, the Swiss have kind of rebounded because they market luxury watches, and people who want to wear a watch as jewelry, you can wear a $10,000 Rolex, and it can be a status symbol, right? But they failed to understand the, the primary focus of why they made watches to begin with, which was to keep good time. Interestingly, we all run the risk of missing the point for why Jesus has called us to himself. See, see, Jesus has called us to himself to to redeem us and and to rescue us from our own sin and and to to usher us into God's family and to experience God's kingdom. But the ultimate purpose for him redeeming us and doing all that is to, to usher us into God's kingdom so that we can be participants in the mission of love that God has to the world that he created. But if we think that our own spiritual faith, our own Christianity, our own participation in church is more about about wearing a a kind of a jewelry kind of faith that that we have the best or the most uh, beautiful church that we're wearing on our wrist, right? And then we can feel good about ourselves and, well, I go to Faith Covenant Church or I go to this other church or our church is so great. You should come to our church because our church is awesome. That's great, but are we missing the whole second half? That it's not just feeling good about our church, but it's about fulfilling the purpose for why God has saved us to begin with. It's to take the good news message and share it with other people so they too can experience the renewal that they need in their lives. You see, in Jesus, God gives us a new dream to dream. He gives us a new purpose and a new mission for our very lives. It gives us a different possible future to imagine. The last thing I want to do in wrapping up this morning is to acknowledge that if you feel God calling you to open yourself to imagine a different possible future, to allow God to begin to renew your ability to dream new dreams, I just want to be clear that this never comes from ourselves. This never comes from ourselves. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 11, and then we're going to jump to verse 16. He said, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. For who knows a person's thoughts except the, their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. In verse 16, it says, who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Think about that for just a second. We have Access to the mind of Christ. You want to dream a big dream? You want to imagine a different possible future? There is an infinite mind available that will spark your imagination, that will stoke your passion, that will excite you about a possible future that he wants you to participate in that you never could have thought up on your own if we're only willing to come and say, God, not my will, but yours be done. Isn't that how Jesus didn't? Not my will, but yours be done. We have the mind of Christ, and Jesus invites us to come to him over and over again, to be renewed, to be be re-excited, to find a new dream. And the question for us in this season is, how is God wanting to grow and stretch your ability to imagine a different possible future for your life and for how that fits here at Faith Covenant Church. You see, discipleship is all about transformation. The way we transform our church here at Faith Covenant Church is by experiencing transformation in the lives of the people for whom this is their church, because that's what church is, right? It's you and me. We are the church, And so church transformation happens when each one of us experience the renewal of God's spirit in our lives. Close with the words of Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 again as we prepare to come to the communion feast again today. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. May God grant us today the gift of an elastic faith. Would you pray with me?